Hello and welcome to the Limerick Post podcast. We are Limerick. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. Join me each week as we get to know the people of Limerick who are making the city and county what it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news, sport and entertainment by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all our social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. So this week's guest for the We Are Limerick podcast is Paul Knapp, known to many on Instagram and who people who watch early AM as the firefighting chef. Paul, welcome to the show. Nice one. Thanks very much, Keith. How are you getting on? How's uh, everything going? Good, good. Can't complain. Yeah, busy, busy at the moment. So, yeah. uh, but it's a, say, it's a great complaint to have, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, but like you were saying yourself just before we came on it's hard to say no to a lot of stuff <laughs> it is and that's always going to be the problem people would ring you and say can you do this and can you do that and if you're trying to build a brand and stuff like that you'll always say yes you know so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm learning to be a little bit more selective um, but it's still difficult like yeah. you know because I always want to just say yes 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 and I think my job in the fire service we've never said no there isn't a job we've never put the phone down to anybody you know exactly, so yeah. you kind of I've done I've been doing that for 28 years so you'll always say yeah and that just comes into my personal life as well you say yeah I can do that so yeah you get caught sometimes so uh, you've been a firefighter for 28 years was that a tough decision to take that role on because it is a tough job uh it's there was two things I always wanted to do when I left school I left school when I was 15 and I wanted to join the fire service and I wanted to travel um both things you're not allowed to do at 15 because my mum had my passport she wouldn't give it me <laughs> and the other thing I wanted to do was join the fire service and they wouldn't touch it to you. 18 yeah. so I was I was born and brought up in London and I was always into cooking so kind of I then was very fortunate that I got the opportunity to train as a chef and then when I was 18 uh, I then ended up traveling so I ended up traveling around the world 23 years I worked in France I worked in Austria I worked in Spain popped into China for a little bit and then over into LA for a few months and I came back and then I was over the age of 18 I was coming up to just, just 21 and the opportunity arose to join the fire service. I got in on my first attempt to London. So I was there for nine years in London Fire Brigade at Clerkenwell Fire Station, which is just near King's Cross. And then in 2000, I moved here and I, again, I just transformed, moved over and joined Limerick Fire Service. Yeah. So I'm there 19 years now. And uh, with all the travelling, I'm sure that impacted your uh, culinary skills as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, like the, the choice from going from the, from the kitchen to the fire services, they're very, very similar. Yeah. They mirror each other. It's all preparation. It's all teamwork. So the, the roles are very, very, the roles are very, very, they're both pressurized uh, and they're both revolve around teamwork and they both revolve around preparation. So I was, again, it was a kind of a seamless transition from one to the other, but traveling definitely, I say leaving school without kind of like an academic background, yeah. I learn through life and I'm someone that has to touch it and taste it. So if someone said that's hot, I say, let me touch it. Oh, that's hot. <laughs> if someone says that's spicy, I say, let me taste it. Oh, that's spicy. So again, I'm always, I have to, that's just the way that I learn, you know, some people will be very academic would read it I'm just I just roll my sleeves up and, and jump in so definitely I got to see uh, different cultures different food scenes and stuff like that which was brilliant and I think there's probably a lasting memory when I was in um, Barcelona just outside of Barcelona and there was about 10 or 12 of us and we're all different nationalities and we're all sort of about 18 we all had our lives ahead of us there was Brazilians there was Spanish there was French there was Dutch there was German there was us from England as well and all we did is we just all kind of chipped in we had a budget of about two pounds a day so we all chipped in you'd buy the wine I'd buy the cheese someone else would buy the bread someone else would buy the wine someone else would buy the wine you can see where it's going here yeah, yeah. but we'd all <laughs> sit down and there was a mishmash of 
kind of cultures and food and it was just all kind of put down onto this kind of table and we just sat there and we just ate and we talked about what we want to do for the future and food brought us all together and food still brings people together and that's yeah, what well, I love you see it in restaurants every night people sitting down and having a chat it's probably the only time people do get to absolutely sit down yeah. and actually speak to they, yeah you say that but I was, uh, I was over in the UK there recently and I, what I have noticed and, and again I know this is kind of social media but you can still see people would probably check in first of all to Instagram or Facebook yeah, and take yeah. a picture what it is they, and they it's need great to shot of their food they do yeah <laughs> and sometimes I was actually in a, in, a, in a place there and I was actually looking at a couple and they weren't talking to each other they were actually talking but they're on their phones talking to each other to totally to their <laughs> moment each other I don't know but it is yeah food definitely speaks all languages and you can put a plate of food up in front of somebody and they don't necessarily need to know all of the ingredients they know what it is they can smell what it is yeah. and that's what I like about it you know what I mean so it doesn't matter and it crosses all divides it doesn't matter where you're from everybody has to eat um, and everyone's got their favourite meal their death row meal that they would go to and stuff like that so yeah no, I love what food does and is, is there any uh, specific cuisine that you just love I love uh, I think that'd be very difficult it's like trying to pick your favourite child do yeah. you know what I mean so I think what <laughs> I'd look at is I'd turn around and say that I think that food I like simple food and what I mean by that is some of the kind of the classic dishes that we were trained with and, and a lot of the classic dishes that when you go to other countries, uh, they're, they're, they're peasant dishes in origin. Um, so if we look at kind of like a bolognese or a goulash or a stew, yeah. they all would have been tough cuts of meat that they could have left while people were Minimum out working. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and again, if you look at uh, and they're seasonal ingredients as well. So we eat out of season now as well. Yeah. So, again, there's a big kind of trend towards eating more seasonally. So, you know, like we're not going to have strawberries and cream on Christmas Day. You know, we would eat the berries that would be around would eat the vegetables that would be around so more kind of root vegetables so um if do i have a typical cuisine i'd say i love simple food because it's the most tasty and i think sometimes we it's like life I, i'm a firm believer that life is really simple made complicated by us and it's the same for food yes it's nice to see all this wonderful food as you see on the tv but it's like looking at the the, the body image on instagram sometimes that isn't sustainable or yeah. it isn't attainable so sometimes keep it simple more importantly just enjoy it so for me if i enjoy i could enjoy cooking complex food i could con yeah, but i love kind of i love putting spices together i love being able to taste the ingredients in the dish yeah. rather than be overpowered by chili or something like that do you know what i mean so i don't have a particular one i just have a particular style which is something that's really simple and it just and the flavors go really really well and also experiment just just try stuff do you know yeah, what i mean yeah, that's the fun thing about being in the kitchen absolutely and people tree, sometimes you know? get afraid of it as well yeah. you know so I love opening the press and then just seeing what's there and thinking like, what do I have to use now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're exactly. Like, you know. What's got green and what's green and furry and I'm going to cook it kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? But it is, it's that, it's that if you can, and again, I always say to people like, don't be afraid to, to fail, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like a journey. It's like going from A to B. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes we do get a little bit lost or we might try something that doesn't work out. That's perfectly okay because we've learned. And that's the key thing I take from that is that learning process. I'm a huge fan of learning. And if we can get people to kind of say, you well, I tried that, but I didn't like it rather than just kind of throw it away that idea away not the actual food away if you can throw that idea away rather than just then say do you know what? i'll reinvent it i would i didn't like that there was too much of this in it or too much of that in it and tweak it and make it your own so there's lots of recipes out there but people will always make it your own and that's another thing i'll always say to people is make whatever the dish you like or the recipe you see cook it a few times become familiar with that journey and then once you've ma mastered that and you know what's in it you make it your own and then you can dish up anything say this is my version of whatever it is do you know what i mean so i'm sure mum a bolognese back in the day didn't turn around and say oh my god i don't have any onions and i can't make a bolognese sauce yeah, yeah. it was whatever was there if it's there it's there do you know what i mean so again i don't kind of beat myself too much if i go off script so it's like life yeah 
And uh, where, where did your love for food come from? I was kind of, uh, as a kid, my parents separated. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. So like most nans, as we call them back, I mean nan. It's always granny's cooking. It, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so but I, I call it like, here, it's your granny or something, or your grandmother. For me, it's me nan, like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So me nan, um, I, I spent a lot of time around her house. And we'd do things like as all kids do. You'd be there and she'd be making something out of pastry. So you'd sit there, you'd roll it out, it gets dropped on the floor. The cat licks it, the dog licks it. It's covered in dirt, grit and hair. You know, you put a bit of jam in it and you roll it up and this is your masterpiece and you give it to your mum when she comes to pick you up and your mum's like oh my god looking at this thing and it's all grey and hairy she says oh yeah uh, just a little nibble and so that's lovely love and chucks it over her shoulder but it was that's where it came from and I was I can still see myself kneeling up at the kitchen table um, and she had this old hand whisk this kind of used to whisk this thing around to make like Yorkshire puddings and stuff and because I was left handed she always used to call me cack handed Bill so she said I was the only one that can make these Yorkshire puddings rise but she was probably the first person that saw what it did for me which was calm me yeah. it was keep me and, and keep me focused from start to finish and I think that's why grandparents are really cool because like my mum do you know what I mean she says like grand, like grandkids because I've got two kids said so they're brilliant because they've got backs on them like you can give them back so I think grandparents are really good with their own kids especially to kind of get more involved with certain things because the parents have them 24-7 do you yeah, know what I mean yeah. so um, that's where it came from it came from my grandmother she was always into home simple home cooked food uh, and she took in students as like lodgers to, to kind of get some extra cash so she had like Nigerians there was Iranians there was Turkish so again they would sometimes cook in the kitchen and I remember seeing things that I'd never seen before like okra and plantain and this is back in the 70s and it's only coming into Limerick you know in some of the markets these days and yeah, you're looking yeah. at these but that was that was kind of their staple diet so I kind of got exposed to food cult different food cultures at a very very early age so that's where it came from another aspect of food like speaking with your grandmother is the nostalgia effect like if oh. I get a smell of bacon and cabbage I yeah. brought back to my, my yeah. nanny's house in it, Waterford yes. if I smell roast beef yeah. I'm up in Dublin in yeah, my yeah. grandmother's house yeah you know? yeah and that's why I say food food conjures up and that's why I say to people like people what's your you know I say to people about what's your greatest food memory um, and you said there you sort of and a smell can transform you back to wherever it be and sometimes that's what we do we, we fancy well, we smell something and that's enough to ignite that idea in us that we'll have that for dinner at the weekend or wherever else it be but yeah I love it when you said what you said there for mine mine would be uh, it would be down in Devon we used to go down there like people would go to Kilkey you know like everyone the whole family like be 30 people in different cars yeah. and back in the day it'd take about five hours to drive down there and, and we'd all stay in like caravans and it was like it was rashes bacon sandwiches cooking you'd be outside at whatever seven o'clock in the morning running around like a lunatic trying to be an aeroplane and then my mum would whistle uh, she should whistle us like we were dogs you know what i mean we're not but she just said you hear this like, like and we'd go in and uh, then there'd be these kind of big thick because it, it wasn't sliced pans weren't around and either like there'd be big thick slices of bread and bacon and big mugs of tea and that smell to this day even though I, like I don't eat bacon uh, but that smell is it's just one of those it's a comforting smell yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean so I, I agree with you it definitely takes us back to anywhere and everywhere it takes you back to them oh definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, working with fire yes you know, you're in a controlled environment versus an uncontrolled environment yes what's that juxtaposition like for you um again it's i think it's i'm involved with kind of teaching people outside the fire service through food as well and i always keep saying it's very very true we can't teach experience we yeah. can show you how to do something we can show you how to make a dish we can show you how to do something within the fire service uh, and the only thing then where what we need is experience so the difference between the the, the two as i always say uh, the fire and food are very, very similar. The difference being, if you look at a restaurant, you've got a prescribed menu, and we prepare for that prescribed menu. So you've got your starters, your main courses, and your sweets. So we have everything that we need for our menu. With the fire service, our menu can be anything and everything. So we are always preparing for anything that's on the menu. And if someone calls and requests something that isn't on our menu, we can kind of take a piece of each thing and put them together, working under the banner of safety, absolutely. Um, so again... 
the job is very it's very pressurized it's all teamwork and stuff like that so it's they're, they're, they're very hand in hand like you know what i mean they, they they really mirror each other once you start to scratch the surface and look at it um the difference being with the fire service as i say it is an uncontrolled environment it's normally chaos for the first five or ten minutes um but it's it's the experience then you dig on. You dig in on your experience of something similar. And then you can look at the tools that you may have used to deal with that situation. There's a metaphor, not necessarily the hand tool, but the metaphor that the experience of the tools that you've, you've learned, your experience. And then you can apply some of that. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. And some of it then you have to, literally, you're always trying to find balance. You're always trying to find what works. Yeah. And again, a lot of time we're dealing with the public and we are all unique so people react and respond differently. So just when you thought I talked to somebody this way last time, when you're talking to them this time, it's totally different. So you're constantly having to find that balance. And again, yeah. that just comes through experience and through training and through preparation. So we're well prepared for stuff. And then uh, with the training, like you can only get so close to the actual thing. Absolutely. It's, it's, so what was it, your first call out like? My first call, I, uh, the one that sticks in my mind would have been in London Fire Brigade. And it would have been a fatality. Uh, it was a guy fell down a lift shaft in, in uh, it was actually Great Ormond Street was being built. And he was about two weeks from retirement. And you're the new boy. So again, there's always kind of black humor in the fire service. So yeah, he was down the bottom of the lift shaft. It was only small space. There's about 12 guys. I remember there was doctors because it was at the back of a hospital. There was an anesthetist. They were just basically anyone that's got any medical experience yeah. come down here. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the guy passed away. Uh, and then because it was an accident, he had to be left because then the police come along, they carry out their investigation. And I always remember my governor, my boss saying, you know, if you want us to give you a hand to remove the body, then we'll come back. Uh, and they said, oh, you're yeah, brilliant, we'll, we'll call on you. So about four hours later, we had to come back. And it's amazing the difference between a casualty where there is hope yeah. and then someone being has, has deceased. Um, and his eyes were open. And uh, the guy was a West Indian. He's in his kind of like mid-60s. And I was in South London at the time. There's, there's a high population of West Indians there. And every guy, when I used to go into the pub, my local pub and sit there, it would look like that guy. And their eyes, because his eyes were open. And that was one of my first calls that stayed with me. It's still, I'm talking yeah, about it, so yeah. it still stays with me. Do you know what I mean? It must be a tough one to carry on with. It's, it's like anything. I mean, you have, you, I always say we go to these incidents uh, as a team. Um, which is brilliant yeah. and we go through that experience uh, as a collective which is good as well uh, the problem arises i think is if you keep revisiting on your own yeah therefore that's when it becomes a, a bad or a dark place so a lot of that we go through now we were very bad back in the day in, uh, as men are to express our emotions yeah. and our feelings you know what i mean we're not saying hey, okay and come here and give us a hug we just never used to do those kind of things you know it has changed a lot we're definitely a lot more open with regards to mental health and stuff like that um but you go through it and there'll always be some of the senior lads on the shift that will watch the new boy just to see how he's hanging in and they again have their own unique communication style with with that person uh in a way that actually works they can connect with them and they might have to try a few attempts to find that connection but once they do they'll always check in with you which was always nice and that then was handed to me that meant that that kind of mantle that mentor position yeah uh, and then you just bring that through your career you'll do the same you find that you've become for want of a better word you become your parent you know so the fire brigade has parents and grandparents on shift and there's the new kids and then there's the puppies so we all have kind of different places within the shift and some people would be very kind of tuned in to watch and just make sure someone's okay and that's what happens to me someone just checked in and said are you okay and said well yeah but kind of yeah. yeah and so yeah so again if things stay with you things there's things that stick with you from a trauma point of view things that stick with you from a humorous point of view so there's lots of different there's great stories out there do you know what i mean so yeah 
But uh, the, the team is obviously important. So how is the team in Limerick? Like you've been there for a while now. I've been there. I was, I was London for nine years. I'm here for 19, coming up for 20 yeah. years. Um, exactly the same, just different accents. That's the way I can put it. <laughs> and once I understand what I'm saying, I'm probably in trouble. Do you know what I mean? Because people are tuned in to hear, say, like a Limerick accent. Yeah, so when yeah. the fire engine turns up and I'd open my mouth and the first thing is followed by, what? <laughs> because they're expected they're tuned to an accent and yeah, after yeah. I don't understand oh he's not from here then they'll understand me but most of my career is in here has been followed by what or what did he say or they just smile thinking I haven't got a clue what that bloke just said but it, <laughs> obviously like if people everyone else is laughing around everyone else around me is laughing they'll all laugh as well but no the team is exactly the same they're made up of uh, a mixed bag of people from different backgrounds there's guys that are very well educated to guys that just left school like myself at an early age there's people there that are um you know again different age groups they're just they come from sporting backgrounds they come from kind of i say very very academic backgrounds um but they all have kind of the very very similar ethos and that is around the station you can see individual personalities which is brilliant because you know that we are individuals but when the bell goes down we become a really, really tight-knitted team. That's yeah. when it works well. It's probably like in the kitchen. It's one of the most amazing team things to see. And there's certain people that have got different roles. It's like playing on a pitch, like a match. You know, certain people have got different positions. So you know, if there needs to be a hole made in the wall, someone's going to do that. If there's a console needed to cut in or break in, there's someone that's going to do that. If there's someone that needs to talk to a casualty, there's someone that's going to do that. So everyone has their strengths and weaknesses, which is a team. And that's where you really, really see the fire service come in. And that's the stuff that, that, that the public side, the public wouldn't see that side of the fire yeah, service. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they, like, you don't want to meet us, basically. You know, we've got the coolest job in the world. Everyone loves the fire brigade. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, no one wants to meet us because if you're meeting us, you're having a bad day. Yeah, so, you know, it's great to come to an like a lot of services. People don't. They forget that they're there until they're needed absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. and then but the, the nice thing about the fire service as it as for all the blue lights as for the guards and for the ambulance service we t we take every call as the most important thing yeah. because it is to that person so whereas you know 20 minutes ago you might have been in a fire or you might have been down at the river unfortunately uh, and then you know a little old lady rings and says there's a chimney fire to her this is huge yeah for us we've come from maybe something bigger or something more traumatic but we have to forget about that you can't say listen you think you're having a bad day love do you know what i mean you yeah, tell, yeah. tell me about you, you know so we will always treat that person with dignity and respect because we work for an organization we wear a badge and we're very proud of that badge we're very proud of who we are and what we do uh, and we will always give that person 150 percent of our time so we're professional to the last and i think that is uh, i think that's definitely reflected back from the community to us uh, and people have a lot of time for the fire brigade there's a lot of faces that lads will say hi do you know and the lads come in still to this day uh, because of the intervention that we might have had at yeah. the fire service that will bring in kind of like treats and cakes and stuff at Christmas or bring in biscuits and That's just lovely. say thank you. It is, it is. And it's, we, we, we've we moved on. Uh, communities move on. Communities get diluted as well over time because people move and people move in and move out of, of town. But one thing that's always there is that that gratitude uh, for the fire service, which is really touching. And that yeah. hasn't changed over nearly 30 years in the fire service. People are always thankful for the intervention. And there's people walking around town that are here because of the blue light services, which is, again, is, is nice as well, you know, so. And uh, you were in London for nine years, like you said, but there's some kind of a larger community between fire services oh we are i mean like if you was to try and it's like they're all interlinked or we something. are yeah <laughs> we're, part, we're one big family but we do even in limerick fire brigade we get lads knocking on the door from the states from germany from france from holland from wherever and they're firefighters that are traveling around europe with their families yeah 
uh, or they're traveling from over from the states coming over wherever it is and they'll knock on the door of a fire station because at the end of the day a firehouse a fire station they're exactly the same as i say it's the same place it's just a different accent or a different language the 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 humor is still the same do you know what i mean we're children at heart like i've yeah. got a job that i've never had to grow up which is brilliant i've been a child <laughs> for nearly 30 years do you know what i mean um but it is so yes the it's 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 they call it like you know it's kind of that sounds cheesy the international brotherhood but we are one big family and there isn't probably every emergency is different but they're very similar fires fires a fire that we, we tackle them all the same way you know we put the wet stuff on the orange stuff do you know what i mean that's yeah. the kind of the, the basic science behind it um with accidents is we want to make sure that person gets to definitive medical care and gets the best treatment so it is it's we are basically we are all the same it's just a different language or a different accent but just you take any one of them lads and you put them on our truck within a couple of seconds they'll know what to do as if you put me on a truck in america put them on a truck in france or wherever the language might be different but the job is the same so we know we're all the same when 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 things get really really bad uh, and people are in a very dark place say like the, the people that have called us yeah uh, excuse me <clears throat> and they need help and assistance it doesn't matter what language you speak help and assistance is the same across the world you know what i mean it's just like please help me and you see it in their eyes before you hear it so yeah it's pretty much the same and then uh, the other day i was popping through instagram and you have a post up i think someone's retiring from the we did actually we had uh one of the guys paul greensmith retired he was with us 15 years he was one of the older puppies so normally you kind of join the fire brigade years ago when you're in your early 20s yeah. paul joined us when he was 40 so we had 15 years with paul he was on my shift uh really really nice guy very mechanically minded so he loved cars so he was always handy if he had a problem with a car or you wanted to buy a car yeah. uh, i'd say he's probably half the fire service owe him a debt of gratitude for buying the cars that they're driving <laughs> around in because he'd always go and sort out a car for stuff so yeah he retired and uh we started taking a lot of our retirement pictures down by the treaty stone so it looks cool to see the whole shift uh there and they all came there was a big dinner cooked for him on nights and then in break there's a breakfast cooked for him when he came off a shift because they retire you, you retire at 55 um so we've lost a huge amount of experience he was a real gentleman uh got on well with everybody so yeah it's always sad to see somebody go um and it's always it's almost like you've you've you, you're losing a member of your family yeah, yeah. and i know we don't lose and i always say that you know that you will leave the fire service but the fire service doesn't leave you uh, and we won't ever because we like we cook the christmas dinner for the retire boys so we get like last year we had 44 people in the fire station for christmas dinner and the lads come in age 75 80 65 or whatever they are they all come in at different ages they'll have a couple of beers with their christmas dinner maybe a glass of red wine and then they slowly probably their mid 40s in their minds and then by the time they finished their dinner and had a brandy and a cup of coffee they're probably about 30 years old then we go next door to the horse and hound for some music and by the time they leave they're 22 years old again and they're invincible so you see us all regret. i say we're just kids at heart and you see it even in lads that like you're cooking for food like for the retired members when paul will be there this year for christmas dinner you're cooking for lads that are recently retired that you worked with uh, and then we're cooking for lads that i wouldn't have worked with that have been retired for 30 years or 20 years um and they would have gone just before i came but we still have the common bond. We still speak the same language because we're all firefighters. And that's, that's, that's so cool to see. Like, you know what I mean? It's brilliant. And food brings everybody together. And they get a little bit more lubricated with a few beers, absolutely. But the stories come out, which is the coolest thing. And uh, back to cooking then, uh, what do you think is the most important thing when cooking a meal? I think if you have a well-prepared larder, a well-prepared cupboard, if you don't try and set your heights or your standards too high should i say so if you just turn around and say well i'm only new into cooking i'd like to get into cooking it's like anything it's like training in a gym it's like running you know you're not going to run a marathon tomorrow morning if you're not fit so you build your fitness it's the same thing with cooking 
set some easy things learn the basics learn how to do well learn what works learn the kind of the classic flavor combinations and then just do that but if you have a well-stocked cupboard you have a nice range of spices if you always have things like onions and carrots and garlic if you have things like pastas and tomato sauces if you have things like flour and some baking powder you can always and some yeast you can always make some breads or some pizzas you can always make some pastas you can always make some kind of spicy sauces and stuff like that do you know what i mean so i think if you have a well-stocked cupboard first of all preparation so preparation will always be key i think don't try and set your heights too high if you're just into cooking just start with again so those classic and those basic ones taste it see what you think add a little bit more say make it your own i think most of us just enjoy it but if you have a well-stocked cupboard uh, you have some decent fresh ingredients in your fridge uh, and you've got some staples of dry goods as well like say some pastas or some flowers and stuff like that which means you can make kind of anything um, some batters and other bits and pieces up then yeah but don't try and complicate it just enjoy enjoy what it is get some friends around uh, and just cook for them uh, and also as well if you've got friends and they're not from limerick and they're from other countries where it is get them in if they're into cooking where the food from where they're from if they've got guys that are coming in there from spain get them to cook some spanish stuff or make some tapas if they're coming in from france get them to make whatever they want to make if they're from italy do you know they get that fusion because again that's what cities are cities are built around multinational do you yeah. know what I mean and you've got so many different nationalities it becomes a melting pot that melting pot brings food and that food brings so many tasty dishes like do you know what I mean so again I just have a well stocked cupboard and keep it easy yeah I have a couple of Spanish friends actually that pop over and I made them a coddle before yes and they absolutely loved it yeah you know? yeah again look at coddle what is coddle it's a traditional kind of it's just that dish with potatoes and onions and do you know what I mean and, yeah. and, and, and sausage and rashers in there and it is it's, it's really hearty food it's the food that you want when you're not feeling the best on a Monday morning yeah, yeah. or again if it's a cold day out there and you say do you know what, I it's love a it winter dish oh absolutely it? yeah 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 just like today yeah. <laughs> and uh, earlier on you were mentioned everybody has this uh, their death row meal you know? yes what's yours my death row meal I think apple pie has to be there yeah. I do love a bit of apple pie, pie or a crumble uh, oh a pie. pie yeah apple pie yeah yeah no don't, don't get me wrong I do love a crumble I'll take a crumble as well um I love an apple pie um I love toast and jam with a cup of tea um i love mashed potatoes and i love onion gravy so i think if i was to say my death row meal it would definitely involve mashed potatoes it would definitely have an onion gravy in it of some sort um and then i would have definitely have some apple pie and custard because i do love a nice really kind of thick apple pie yeah. you wouldn't go for something in a slow cooker just to well, yeah. next few prolong my life <laughs> yeah. yeah that cooks over the next four and a half years please yeah. i like your idea yeah yeah but no it's kind of simple i'd say i think if you ask people like, like you asked me that i'd ask you what's your what would be your kind of a death yeah. row if you had a um see i just love steak yeah yeah so a nicely cooked steak but it'd have to be from a I think when I was about 14 years old, yeah. I had a steak in a place in Waterford. It's closed down now. It's called uh, The Old Stand. And right. it's the nicest steak I ever had. I, right. haven't, I haven't been able to get it since, you know. So uh, that would be the main course. Anyway. Yes. Um, for a starter, I'm a fan of a chowder. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't mind sipping on an old chowder, you know. I don't know where you are, where they're giving you all these choices. You're getting a star at main course and dessert. I just, got, I, just got, I just got mashed potatoes and apple pie. Can I rethink my death row meal, please? <laughs> I'm trying to make it as long as possible. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a slow cooked chowder that I'm having. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know if they're up to it, but I'd ask them to make a nice creme brulee for me. I'll go you with your creme brulee. <laughs> again, classic. They're classic dishes, though, you know. But again, none of it is none of it is too far. It's, it, they're very, very simple dishes. Yeah. Um, and I think people go back to comfort, especially if someone's going to sit there and say, right, you've got 12 hours left to live. Um, but no, I think it's always people say, you know, what's your food memories uh, and favorite food and yeah if you can call it death row meals but it's your food you know and yeah for me it's always going to be something that is comforting 
and it normally takes you back to a couple of normal childhood memory as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, your show, you cook for early AM over on Virgin Media One. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How did that come about? Basically, just sent him an email. Yeah, uh, yeah I was. Um, I gave a lot of talks. I was involved or involved with the HSE's assist program, which is the suicide intervention. Um, so I kind of got into like the areas and the realms of like looking at like mental health and stuff like that and how food really kind of brings people together and doing the job that I've done or do. And you spend kind of X amount of years looking at kind of um, trauma and how it affects people that I work with. Um, and uh, I then kind of sitting there thinking, now, what would I call myself if I was, you know, I trained as a chef. I am a chef, you know, and got papers to prove it. I got a certificate on the wall and I'm in the fire service. So what would I call myself? What would somebody, if, if I was firefighting a chef, what would I call myself? I said, <laughs> firefighting chef. Okay, that's handy. I said, right, you know what? If I send someone an email, so I sent Island AM an email and said, would you be interested in the firefighting chef? You know, and 10 minutes later, ping comes back. Yeah, can you do next week? And I was like, okay, that was a bit quicker than I'd expected. <laughs> I said, can you send me a demo? So I sent a demo. Uh, my son actually videoed it for me, Harry. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was it. And then it started out once a month. Um, and then I got like, like four or five gigs from well, it's two years in August now. And then it started to ramp up to nearly twice, well, it's twice a month. Oh, that's all depending on commercial slots and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So yeah, twice a month. I'm back on again on Thursday. I was there last Thursday as well. So um yeah, it's brilliant. It's um, must be fulfilling sharing this knowledge. It, it gives me when I was when I so when I do food talks, you're talking to three people to a hundred people. Depends on how many people turn up, um, which is you get a great buzz from a live live audience because you can see the response, you can gauge how they're you know are they enjoying it or not, which is really good because you can actually it's a live audience and you feed from that because it's huge experience there. And I cook a couple of vegetable. Uh, veg, I'm a vegetarian um, and I, I cook at a couple of veg fests in Cork and in Dublin. And you can see the audience uh, when it's TV. There's there's the lads there, the the presenters, and then there's three other people in the room. You know, there's the camera, two two guys on camera, and then the floor manager, and that's it. And then the odd guest just kind of dripping in and out, like. But it's I don't think oh look, there's a hundred or two hundred thousand people watching down the lens of this camera. Um, you just get on with the job. Yeah. Um, I'm a professional at the end of the day. I'm well prepared, uh, and kind of I drive up and I talk to myself it's it's brilliant it gives me a greater platform and i want to change the world one person at a time using food as my medium that's me that's what i want to do i want keep people to get kind of more aware of what they buy uh, and the impact that can have on your body the impact that can have on the community the impact that can have on the planet at the end of the day yeah. so i want people to make kind of more ethical and conscious choices about what they eat and think about what they're eating uh, and I love change uh, and I love watching that transition. And I love people's idea or you see that light bulb moment. People think, oh, yeah, I could do that. You say, of course you can. Um, and there's no rules in cooking. Do whatever you want to do. So I love the fact that I've got a greater audience now to kind of to share my my passion because yeah. it is at the end of the day. That's what it is. It's my passion for change. And I use food. And if more people uh, come and watch, if more people tune in, if more people come to demonstrate uh, the demos and stuff like that, they'll get to see and if they walk away and say do you know what, I actually like that I will try that then I've done my job I've started them on their journey of trans transition and change so I mean it can't be too bad can it and uh, is there enough hours in the day <laughs> no none at all no I've got an extra I've got an extra day now so uh, I've got the eighth day yeah um yeah and managing time that's one of my downfalls um I've got I've started to kind of pare back on other things and yeah. more focus now on on this because this is really where it's the one thing that I was always interested in since 15 you know when i when i first time i went into a kitchen in a basement in london uh you went to work when it was dark and you left when it was dark and you worked kind of long hours uh for really really bad money um 
Uh, so it's it's where the area is that I want to head towards. Um, and it's it's something that I come with experience of. Uh, I come with experience of cooking. I've trained and I've worked as a chef. I come with experience of change because I've been constantly evolving and changing myself as a, as a person, trying to be a better person. And also as well, uh, I come with 28 years of, of firefighting. So it's true that I am the firefighting chef. And as I say, all I want to do is I have a unique skill set of dealing with, I suppose, casualties that are suffering from some form of trauma mm-hmm. and to be able to connect and communicate with them uh, and all I want to do is I thought to myself well if I can do that when someone's in a really really bad place how easy would it to be do to do if they voluntary were standing in front of me and they, they want to be there and they're really receptive to to change um, and that's the easiest thing I think god that's that's so much easier than having to meet someone upside down in the car trying to say everything's going to be okay and yeah. if you can convince them it's okay then it's so much easier in front of a crowd of people and doing a food demo and say, guys, you, you're here for a reason because you, you want to learn. And here it is. And take some of this. Make it your own. This is to be shared. And food, that's what I like about food. It's not you don't have your arms around it like a recipe. You know, there's no trademark on apple pie. Do you know what I mean? Everybody's got their own little slant on that, which is what they do. It's what makes their apple pie unique and the best apple pie in the world everybody's apple pie is the best to them. And that's the most important thing. Do you know what I mean? So I just that's me. That's who I am. And uh, Paul, finally, how can people keep up to date with the Firefighting Chef? How can they keep up to date with the Firefighting Chef? Follow me on Instagram as the Firefighting Chef. You can follow me on Twitter as, uh, I think it's, they're all linked together. Instagram is probably the one I use most. Facebook yeah. is the Firefighting Chef as well. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on all the social media. You can obviously listen to this, the, the Limerick show, the podcast here, uh, and you can follow the Limerick post as well. And you'll see all of my stuff because they're going to actually, they haven't, they don't know this yet, but they're actually going to kind of like follow me and they're really going to kind of promote me in everything. This is, shame, really, this is my shameless, this is my plug <laughs> take it while it's there do you know what i mean um yeah so i plans to kind of put a book together as well so you can follow me on all of the social media platforms um is there a deadline on the book or? is there a deadline yeah it's been it's been in the process for the last two years i'm the world's worst typer i'm a slow type no i've actually sent stuff off to uh, a few publishers so i'm waiting to hear yeah, back from cool. that so fingers crossed that's fingers crossed absolutely yeah so uh, yeah social media platforms food demonstrations i'm in dublin i'm on the tv next uh, this thursday the 15th uh, quarter to nine i'm doing a kind of a student dish there i'm doing a, a pasta dish there um again i'm cooking in dublin's veg fest which is in september hopefully i'm going over to the uk to london to do their veg fest which is the uk's largest vegetarian and vegan food festival i'll be talking there so yeah things are really kind of taking off brilliant so, Yep. Paul, best to look for everything. And thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for your time. You've been listening to We Are Limerick, a Limerick Post podcast. For more news, sport, entertainment, and more podcasts, visit limerickpost.ie.